Hello and welcome to Nightmare Cinema. This is our 16th episode. Can you believe it? I know. My God, we're all so old. I know, and we're still not very good at it. But (laughs) we are getting there. Um, So this is the fourth episode in our slasher season. The film we're discussing today is Johnny Depp's film debut. It was shot in just 32 days. New Line Cinema was saved from bankruptcy by this film and was called The House That Freddy Built. And we are, of course, talking about 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street, written and directed by Wes Craven. So it it was shot with just a really, really small budget of 1.8 million, which it got back in its opening weekend in the US. And obviously it's recuperated all of that and more over the last few years. Um, It's one of the most successful horror franchises in history and it launched superstar nightmare Fred Krueger. So there are a few different origin stories of where Wes actually came up with this idea, Um, but I watched a documentary with him in and this is the version he told on the documentary, so I'm going to tell it. So there was this kid who was afraid to go to sleep um, because he was telling his parents that something was after him in his sleep. So he tried to stay awake for days and days. Finally, when he did go to sleep, his parents heard him screaming in the middle of the night. And before they got to his bedroom, he was dead. There are a few different versions of that, by the way. Um, Anyway, so let's have a look at our first impressions of this film. John, when did you first see A Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, I was very, very young, and I remember not being that impressed with it. Wow. Yeah. Um, I have a little story for you, right? Oh, go on. Um, since we started to do this, and I've made, I've watched like kind of the classics back. I've realised that they were so much better than they were when I watched them when I was a kid. Because I never used to like this. Because I used to think the acting was shit. Even as a as a younger John, I used to think, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Now I think it's, I think it's like, um, I think this might be, this is going to be quite a bold statement. Uh, I think this this may have to join, The Exorcist, The Omen, and The Shining, <gasps> in my unholy trinity. I, I was I I watched it once. Usually I just watch them through and I jot down a few random little notes and stuff. But I found myself actually watching this and actually living it, and I just thought to myself, "This is this is horror film. These this this is what horror films are." And mm-hmm. I don't remember ever thinking about it before. So, what do you think has made you change your mind? Uh, I think it's just the appreciating film a lot more and knowing the ins and outs of it. Because I've always I've always watched them and I've always appreciated them, but now since we all went to uni and we drank a lot in the pub and talked about films like that and we know the in like the, the the anatomy of them and we've all written them now it's just how 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 they structure this it's just structure kind of the plot um the way that they do it the the kind of production of it the 1.8 million to make a film like this this is this is a legend they made a legend for buttons and it just makes me so happy that it exists. It really does. And you gave birth to an icon as well. And I did. No, not you. Well, you might have done, but um, <laughs> like I, I kind of it was very late last night when I was watching this, and I was like, "Is Freddy Krueger 
as seminal as like vampires and werewolves and stuff like that. Uh, I think he's more interesting, to be honest. But I think that's, if you're going to make a horror film, you want to make something that lives forever. And he lives forever. Apart from in Jackie L. Haley's one. No way. Hey, hey, hey. We'll come on to Jackie later. So, Johnny, what about you? Yeah, it was all right. I came back and watched this after years um, yeah I remember watching it the first time around and thinking it was crap um, but that was years ago um, I actually think it's 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 quite good now um, on revisitation um, I try, sort of tried to take take this on watching it which is hard but without sort of taking into account any of the sequels, any of the the sort of the camp sort of revisits um, that have happened um, and tried to transport myself to a place where I was just watching it without any prior knowledge or uh, inclination about the character or, or knowing anything about it and seeing if it could could stand up on its own. Um, and it's probably why I enjoyed it more this time because I wasn't really expecting anything of it because I've watched it years ago and thought, oh, it's not very good. It's rubbish. So I went into it with a completely open mind and I enjoyed it a lot more because of it. Um, do you want to say something there, John? No, I, I, I completely agree. I second that motion, sir. Also, what I realised this time, which I didn't realise the first time, is some of the scenes in this are just gloriously brutal like yes. I didn't recall just how violent and so visceral that they are. Um, it's unf- it's, un- it's unforgiving, isn't it? It doesn't it do- it doesn't let up. Do you know Do you know what I was I was because I was quite deluded last night. So I thought to myself, I'm a bit um, I'm a genius. So all of my comparisons were amazing. They were they were all sh- sh- shocking. But I was com- do you know what I was comparing it to? I was comparing it to a 1984 or 86 Slayer album called Rain and Blood. I don't know if you've heard it. I think you have, Johnny, because I may have talked about it at length in the pub, uh, which is basically, it starts and it doesn't let up all the way through. It's one of the few albums as well, which I like every single song on it. And if you compare a song, if you take a song and put that as a beat in a film, that was what it was like. It was like listening to Rain and Blood. I felt the same joy from it because it just wasn't giving me a break. And then it, it, it was it was pummeling me and pummeling me and I was just like, I don't think I can take this anymore, but I want more. That was that was the beauty of the whole thing. Fantastic. Was, yeah, it took me by surprise. It just how how sort of gory and brutal a lot of it was. It wasn't sort of camp sort of violence. Um, yeah, I remember it being very camp violent all. when I yeah, when so I was when I, yeah. But then again, I think that's the the pop culture stuff and the sequels and all that that sort of nonsense that's impacted on it. I don't remember it. Like those scenes, I think where mm. Tina is in the bed or J- Johnny Depp obviously is, is in the bed. Um, the, w- w- with Freddie's hand in, in the bath um, between um, her legs and everything that invokes. Absolutely. Um, when she's in the body bag um, and the, the, the bed sheets thing at the end where the, the ma is just like this weird skeleton. It's like, uh, it's it's all very yeah. I want to come in. on. I want to come on to Marge's bit a little bit later, mm. if that's okay. Uh, yeah, no. I, th- I thought also the the story is like I'm 
I tried to look into it if this was like an original idea and you know there's that thing where ideas are only so original but this sort of idea of um this concept of of being trapped inside a nightmare is a very very sort of strong original idea um core idea like an almost like a shared consciousness thing it's sort of meanders around the foothills of, of that shared consciousness thing as well um so it's it's behind it all behind the gore um you know and and the imagery there's a very very strong idea there as well which um which which sort of makes it seminal in itself um and is is the platform for the success that it's had and it being the film that it is absolutely and and going back to the gore this is like an early west craven film so you know west craven was known for his gore. i think was it the no what what the last house on the left was that banned for a little bit. Yeah, one of the video nasties. Yeah, um, they, I mean it's not anymore. Um, was that was 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 that it? Was what, what was the other one? I spit on your grave. Yeah, that. that wasn't him, there was it? I don't no, think so. That wasn't do we do we get our name from this film? We do. So I thought so. We do. Um. Yeah, I remember, I think I've spoke to you guys about the video man going around Kirby back in the day. Mm, yeah, um, many times. This was, one of the, <laughs> this was one of the films that we used to get um, on like a Friday night. And I remember when the last sequel came out on video and you had to wear 3D glasses to watch the very end of it. Um, Freddy's Dead, it was called. But it was dead exciting when you were a kid, but not so much when you growing up and you realise it's an awful, awful film. Pretty much, yeah. 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 I'm glad you, um, glad you well, realise this without me having to beat it. We're going <laughs> to touch on the sequels a little bit later as well. So I just wanted to talk about the cast really quickly before we go into some of our audience participation sections. Um, so I, mainly I wanted to talk about the parents because... If you, if you look at the parents, they're all sort of, they've all got their own issues except for Glenn. Glenn's parents are like seem to be like a normal uh, nuclear family. Tina's mom is a completely neglectful um, woman who's, I mean, that guy at the start, I don't even think is Tina's dad. <laughs> she doesn't really seem bothered that her daughter's having these nightmares. It's just like stop dreaming or cut your nails. One of the two. Like, okay, mum. Um, Nancy's mum. Well, Nancy's dad is he's there, but he's not around. They're obviously divorced. Her mum's an alcoholic. She's very messed up. And um, later on, we probably find out the reasons for the alcoholism. And Rod's parents are completely absent. They're just not around at all. Um, and the, in the documentary that I watched, um, Wes wanted to have a look at what was happening to the family in the 80s. And these were all of his observations. Mm. I I was um, looking at this yesterday. Uh, it wasn't, it, it didn't inspire me because you said it first, because I am capable of three-fourths. But, and it did occur to me before you told me. But I was thinking like, another variation of it was, nightmare families on Elm Street because as you said it's any Johnny Depp's family who are any good the rest of them all have flaws but they don't have flaws in the in in the case of like they're all 
cross the street, don't go near them. They're just they're just modern fa- well, at the mm. time modern families that had very very big floors. And I thought to myself, that's actually quite because I, I I watched this once and then I went oh done. And over the years, I've watched it again, but it's never really thrilled me like it did the other day. And now I've looked at it and I've just found so many things in it. It's like it's like when you put that big box of your old stuff in the attic and you forget about it for years and then you go back to it and you just go, and it blows your mind when you open it. That's the second mm. brilliant analogy I've done today. But if you th- if you think about those parents, and obviously we know that Nancy's mom Marge was involved with Freddie's death, and with the other parents was Tina's mom and Rod's mom and dad. Is that why they're it's a little does, bit messed does, up? Doesn't really allude to it though, does it? Or no, it doesn't. But then if if that is the case, and they all were involved, and that's why he's half after their kids. Mm. Why are Glenn's parents so completely comfortable with, with their lives? Like, they are not one bit messed up. I don't know. And this is something that I sort of, the only detractor, really, or one of the very few detractors from the film that I had was the, and I thought it was something that I was missing it at first. Um, it, it seemed to be like they could they could have made more of, of the law. Like, they've got something, they had something so strong, which is the... The um, what I think the film maybe lacks in soundtrack, like a trademark soundtrack compared to obviously Halloween, The Exorcist. I know it we don't put it in the same category. Well, John did before, but Slasher Wise is The Exorcist. Um, but it had the uh, the nursery rhyme, which is such a strong idea, and they didn't really seem to play on it much. They did it like two or three times, maybe. And I thought that I think they just could have really done that. They, they brought that. I think they do do it a lot. I, I, the, um, I sort of, you probably don't mm. you probably don't notice it as much, but there is like a signature tune, which is the nursery rhyme, but it's like slowed down quite a bit. Yeah, I don't know. It's nothing, nothing that really jumped out on me. I when I watched it again, I was just thinking that the idea of, of Freddie and and him as a as a sort of uh, a, you know an urban legend or something. Um, or a monster is, which is known about, is is not something that comes across. It's sort of like these things start happen to them, and then they find out. But it's not like a, an already known idea. I don't know that it, it didn't come across to me as as though like it was something something to be feared. And then obviously these things start happening. It's just just to me, it, it felt like they could have sort of hyped up the the, the law a little bit more. Um, mm. during the early parts of it, especially with the nursery. Maybe I missed it, but I, I felt like they sort of missed a bit of a, an opportunity there to um, to really reinforce that, you know, that, that nursery, the one, two, Freddy's coming for you thing early on. And then sort, mm. of, sort of when these things start happening, these events, then it's sort of, that, that's the concrete foundation has already been laid for the story. But, you know, maybe that's just me. Well, I think that's part of the mystery, isn't it? Like, we don't know who this man is until halfway through the film when Marge reveals what has happened. So let's talk about Freddie himself then. Um, and we're going to touch on the law that you've just mentioned, um, John, Johnny. Mm-hmm. So this this guy, the, the only reason they made him, they, they had that fire backstory where they burned him mm-hmm. is because... Um, Wes Craven didn't want him to wear a mask like uh, Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. Mm. He wanted them to be able to speak 
uh, and communicate with with the people. Um, what do you think of Freddie's backstory? I think you've sort of touched on it already there, um, where there, there is nothing to fear and maybe there the would have been. We don't know when, when this actually happened to him, do we? And they changed his... He was, he was supposed to be a child molester and they changed it to a child murderer um, because they didn't want to be seen to be taking advantage of some child molestation cases in California at the time. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Didn't he Didn't he base Fred Krueger on um, a homeless, scary homeless man he saw when he was younger? Yeah, so apparently he was looking out of his bedroom window saw this guy walking past and he said it was like the guy knew he was watching him and just turned straight to him to look at him and he had this this hat on and that terrified that that's that's just reminded me of something that happened to me when i was about 10 i was we we used to live in upton on the Wirral, which is quite posh pause for laughter but um i was down i was downstairs at about three in the morning i don't know what i was doing there probably something horrendous and I remember looking wow. I remember looking out of the, the front room window across the road and there was a guy looking at the house over the road and I remember him vividly turning and looking straight at me there's no lights on in the room I, as far as I was concerned there's no way he could have seen me and he turned and stared right at me I've got a shiver going down my back remembering this and then I thought shit he can see me and he walked over to our driveway then and started staring at me and because it was dead dead quiet and forgive me if this freaks anyone out because it was possibly one of the most traumatic things i've ever experienced but he then growled at me and ran away and i don't understand how i've managed to forget that for so long and now i need counseling but um yeah that i that's just painted that perfect for me wow that's horrific wow I wonder why he growled at you. Well, I imagine because he was an insane man who wanted to kill me and couldn't because we had just had double glazed windows put in. Thank you, Safe Style UK. Well, the double glazing is available. No, but I, I remember. I was just about to say. I remember that day. That the, the, the day after there was police cars in the road, so it was like um, something must have gone on. I don't know what happened, but um, no one was there. Like because. Neighborhood watching was we had all that shit, and um, that's quite scary. Yeah? I, but that's just reminded me of that, and now I want to make a film about that. That's really scary. Yeah, that's... Is the um the glove? Is that for for gardening? Is that for hedge trimming? I'm sorry. Is the um his glove, the glove that <laughs> he wears. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that. Were those things actually? Because he made he it, makes oh, it, doesn't he? He made it himself. Oh he right, because I was going to say, were those things like commercially available? And then this film came out and just like ruined it, and they had to stop no, making them. Is it what? 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 Is it just no. a normal glove? Because yeah, with like it's a glove that he's just, he's just like welded like knives onto it. Yeah, you've got it. I mean, it's for me. It's just iconic. So. At the very start of the film, after her very first experience with Freddy, Tina asks, did you have a nightmare too? So we put this question out to our Instagram and some of our listeners um, and asked them what their scariest nightmares were. And I'm going to ask you guys as well in a second. So get your thinking Ooh, caps on. I remember one. Um, I don't want to comment so, on that, I'm afraid. 
Mickey Lad1138 said there was a bit of an urban legend that someone in the next town over had a repeated nightmare that Freddy chased him up the Eiffel Tower <laughs> and eventually he died. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, sure. I'm not sure how true that is. It's like that um, that Roger Moore James Bond film where he gets, does he go up the Eiffel Tower and that? A view to a kill. Yeah. I have no idea. Oh, that's, I have no idea. That's brilliant. Um, that's brilliant. So, have you one of our one of our other listeners, listeners, sorry, Craig said that he suffers with sleep paralysis, oh. and he remembers a particularly bad one where there was a werewolf trying to attack him while his bed was like tipping, so it was like turning over on itself, and a werewolf was trying to get him. And he said in his dreams, he would like wake up but still in his dream if you get what I mean and he'd, find, he'd be like in his garden in his dream and then he'd be like dragged back to bed by this werewolf it was horrible apparently so I'm not really good with remembering my nightmares I don't think I don't really write them down um what about you too John John I feel like you need to start us off are you sure mine are mine yes. are very they're not they're not good um well, that's why it's a nightmare. Just keep your language clean. Um, right. <sighs> right. About 10 years ago, my girlfriend at the time, uh, her brother had a bit of a nasty accident and he was in a coma. He's all good now, though, don't, don't be worrying. But when he, he, he woke up, he told me this story about this. Uh, oh, Christ, was, that, I remember this. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was like in a field where there was a war going on and um, there was a guy at a gate and every so often he'd go up to him and he'd say, am I allowed to leave? And he'd say, no, not yet, go back in. But people were leaving all the time and coming back and doing this. And apparently when he eventually said he could go, he could either go left or right and he went left and then he woke up and he improved and he got better again and I must have had that dream for a year after that I don't think I've ever actually told anyone how just how intense it was and I kept but I didn't have a choice when I left the thing I had to go right so I didn't have a choice of where I wanted to go so I had to wait for him to let me leave and then I had to follow it round and I always ended up back in the field and it was it, it got it got to be it was a bit annoying at first, but then it got to be um, one of the biggest, <laughs> one of the most horrendous things that's ever happened to me. So much so that I had to explain it to, why am I laughing? Fucking weirdo. I had to explain it to a counsellor. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> Maybe we can edit this because I don't really want anyone to know about this now. Like- yeah, I had a dream I was falling. <laughs> that was the worst. No, it was just horrible. It was just horrible. <laughs> I think it was because... Um, um, that when he when he woke up, like he, he had this dream and he was in a coma, which fucking fascinated the shit out of me. Anyway, yeah. so then I think my subconscious just became absolutely obsessed with it, and I must have had it for a year after that. I was this was this was just just before I met you guys. It kind of wore off, and I got over it just as I was starting uni. And then the real was, nightmare began. Yeah, <laughs> which is why I was such an, a, a, a together and with it person when I started uni. Like yeah, whatever. So yeah, mm, definitely, oh, yeah. definitely, whatever, Johnny. What about you? 
Um, I was going to say I had a very confusing dream once about Robert, uh, our prose teacher from third year. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, Robert, I'm awfully sorry if you are listening to this. And he's not joking, joking, either. joking I mean, listen. I doubt you are. No. No, definitely. He's bad. He'd, he'd be reading old copies of The Telegraph by a wood stoked fire um, <laughs> or something. Um, Johnny, there's yeah. a weird smile on your face, you know. It's very bizarre. <laughs> I, um, yeah. Anyway, oh yeah, our dreams, nightmares. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I alluded to this um, when we talked about urban legends. Um, when I was a kid um, in the in the World Globe, I think John vaguely remembers this. They used to like print out stories. Um, which is like, I think, I don't know if it was Tom Slemon or some other thing, but I was, well, I was young. So like, you know, you couldn't really see past it. And the story, all it had to say was, um, you know, it is supposed that, or this is a true story. And then you were hooked and you were in and maybe in like seven or eight or something, obviously believed it. And it was about this guy who like uh, worked on a building site and it then inputted a name like New Ferry or something, which made it again as an eight-year-old, a hundred times scary and more real because it was like, oh my God, that's an area that I know. So therefore it must be true. Um, and it was about this guy on a building site that found like an old comb um, and he took it home. And then he started having this recurrent nightmare where this like owl woman with a comb would like, he'd be walking in a corridor and then she'd like sort of be like a, a the grudge woman and like, but like an old woman with like hair all down her face. Um, and then like she, he would look up her and she'd look up at him and she'd have this comb and she'd run off and like just stab him with it. But before That's she really did, scary. but before That's she did, he, he would wake up and then he was telling his wife about this. Um, and he was like, Oh God, I'll get rid of this comb. And, he, and then he couldn't find it. And his wife was like, oh, yeah, the kids were playing it with the other day, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't find it. Um, and then so apparently the, the wife uh, the next morning uh, thought he'd gone out. But um, when she went to get up, she found him down the side of the bed, like dead. So it's supposed that, like, eventually he didn't wake up before the old woman stabbed him. Now, that's a bit... Now, that imagine that for, like, an eight-year-old, I... Honest to God, couldn't sleep for days. I was just like sat up in bed, sleeping at half an hour at a time in like a cold sweat. And like, there was like nothing my mum and dad could do to tell me that it wasn't real. The only other similar thing from that, and that was quite a traumatizing period of my life. That you telling that so- story? That was a traumatizing period where of just, my life? Where I just soaked up some, some <laughs> pop culture and then it just ruined the inside of my brain. The only other similar thing was signs and what that did to my masterpiece masterpiece eight-year-old mind um but and then i did have a similar dream and you know i don't know if you look back on things and go oh that's stupid but i remember once um there was uh my mom and two other ladies in our living room and then um all of a sudden for some reason one of them said oh it's wednesday today and then they all turned into witches and that was really really scary um and then I'd look back a year later and go, that was stupid. Why was I scared of that? Was inane nonsense. Um, I, I, don't, I, think as, I don't think as kids, you're always scared of witches yeah. and stuff. I don't I think, think it was, old women. I, oh, I don't yeah. think old women know how scary they are, you know. I really don't. They paint this picture of being like all lovely and stuff. I think they're 
they hide multitudes of sins. I really do. So uh, we touched on Freddie being a child molester a little bit earlier, um, but I do want to come back to it. So in the film, he's actually referenced as a filthy child murderer by Marge, Nancy's mum, and there's no mention of molestation. Um, and we discussed that that was on purpose. Um, they didn't want to be seen as taking advantage of these child molestation cases that were happening in California at the time. So how would this be different now? Do you think, I mean, I, I suppose we've sort of got our answer. We, we know the answer to this because they did it in the remake, the 2010 remake. Um, do you think that they handled the child molestation well in that film? I think um, I, can't, I can't actually remember the remake so much, but they um, they cast um, they they recast Robert England in it, and I was thinking Robert England is like probably out of all the the big hitters, like the most consistent actor. Because I know that I think Freddie and Jason have had about no. What I mean is, I think Freddie and Jason have had about four hundred actors oh. each play the role. Robert England seems to be obviously because it's it's his face, isn't it? It's not a mask, uh, it's also so to his- speak. Compact in style as well, mm, which yeah, is um, obviously not what the remake wanted to be. Thank yeah. God. Was there any fallout from that? Was he offered the role, or was he just sort of no, was he a bit I'm, shunned? Or I'm glad he wasn't, and I'm glad he felt shunned as well because he didn't deserve it. It was his compact in style that ruined the rest of the sequels in my eyes. Yeah, so as Robert England, but. Shouldn't he have been surely like to Wes Craven? It's it, that's on them to say, can you just not do that? Wes only made the first one, or you know what I mean? Sorry, the directors, so surely it's on them to say, well, that's not really the direction we eat. <laughs> they can only do what they hired like really new directors who were probably just taking feedback from New Line Cinema. Um, with what was what was popular because if you if you even look at the second one, the second one. Although it's, it's dubbed the gay nightmare on Elm Street, it's not actually that camp compared to the to the rest of them. They just get worse and worse. Mm. I I haven't seen any of the sequels. I don't want to. You, well, you should. <clears throat> and I watched twenty minutes of the remake and turned it off. Was they cast the bloke that played uh, Rorschach in? Yeah, he was uh, the reason watched I watched it because I thought to myself, he's going to be quite good in that. How mm. wrong I was. I think you're wrong about that. I think he is quite good. I just don't you think, think fans I'm wrong give about it a everything chance. Yeah, you are right about that. <laughs> um, I don't think fans gave him a chance and gave the film a chance. I think one of my friends, Ed, said that they've, about the film, you don't ever get to see any of the characters happy at the start of the film compared to the first one. They're all happy, carefree, having a ball. These are miserable from the get-go, which is probably... Very true of teenagers <laughs> these days. Um, Why in it? But no, you're not a teenager either. But back to the molestation. Do you feel it was more? It was more about the violence than anything sort of sexual for for Freddie in the, the in the remake. Because to me, when I was watching, it, I was like, this is just about him torturing kids. Um. I mean, I th- first of all, I think it's sort of quite—it's very unlike Hollywood productions to consider um, what's sort of ethically correct to use in film. So, fair play for not um, sort of trying to make some bank off the back of some child molestation cases. Um, 
obviously with Hollywood probably being the biggest child molestation hive the world has ever seen. Um, allegedly. Alleged, allegedly. Wow. Yeah. Not really legend now, is it? <laughs> no. It's just a free-for-all. I think the allegedly can go out the window, to be honest. So, this, despite the fact that he was a child murderer and a potential molester, um, Freddy Krueger, as a character, went from horror villain to comic book hero. And I think we've sort of touched on this already, and I think it's due in large to the way that um, Robert Englund chose to play the character in the sequels and how much of a say he had in how the character evolved into this wise-cracking camp person who made people die by their fucking hobbies. If you look at the first one, it's like they, they are just murdered, they're killed. Mm. And then in this, in like, if you go as far as like the fifth or sixth, they're all dying. Like there's a woman who's a diver and she she dies diving. And then there's this guy who likes comic books and then there's this whole comic book sequence. It was just bullshit. I used to be someone earlier and they said, um, they knew obviously about the, the child molestation um, and how the story uh, had changed um, to just be child murderers. And he said, sort of, and whether that is down to Robert England, like Freddie now is sort of like, he's seen as um, people back him in films, people love him. Yeah. And he's meant Why? to be his child. Why do we think exactly. And he's meant to be like this child molester murderer at the very least. And it's yeah. like, is that is that due in part to Robert England sort of wanting to it's, own the character and it feeling like it is him? And in that way, obviously, no one wants to be seen as a child murderer and molester. So, you know, they want to make Freddy into this this sort of anti-hero almost. Mm. Do you know what it is for me? It's because you never see, the, and rightly so, you never see these, the the child, child murder of what he was accused. Like, I've only ever seen, paid attention to and seen the first one. So... As far as I'm concerned, it's only ever been alleged that he was this this child murderer, and then he come and I've always thought that maybe he was innocent of that, and that's why he's punishing these kids now. And if he comes back and he hunts six year old kids and kills them, that makes him a monster that there's no coming back from. But because he's hunting annoying teenagers in a very very camp way, it almost becomes. Um, not comedic but there's a sense of playfulness to it because he's just going you miserable bunch of shits I'm going to get you all and I think I think I think Robert England's campness that that's where it, it kind of wins because if you're taking that too seriously then I don't I don't think it because it's almost but not but it is it does have comedy elements in it it becomes almost like I don't want to say a parody, but it, it it's the not, it's the not it does later on. It absolutely does later on, but in the, I'm just talking about the first film. It it he does it with such a kind of humour-filled campness, as you've said. Um I think he just about gets away with it, just about, but I, then he I, takes I, it too far on the others. I, don't I think, think it's camp in the first one. Oh, I do. Really? Don't yeah. you? Wow. He barely he barely speaks, doesn't he? He says a couple of lines. I think it's it's what touched on before, 
with sort of modern reiterations of the character. And as obviously as Robert England's done through the sequels, it's that sort of dilution of the character of um, where you get to a stage by 2000 and whatever, where you can say, oh, I can wear a T-shirt with Freddy Krueger on it because everyone's forgotten he's a child yeah. murderer molester. And it's like, it, 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 yeah, it feels, it gets less scary with every iteration. It touches on what I mentioned before. It's like with the with the law, I feel it's a bit, it's it's sort of like a polar, almost opposite to, to Candyman because a lot of the, the law surrounding it feels a bit unexplored, not concrete, ambiguous but not in a way which makes you keeps you guessing it's like in Candyman when um, I see the main characters uh, there's a lot of detective work to be done there is a this but less so and it feels a bit a bit lazy at times like Sean you mentioned before brought up that brilliant point which I hadn't thought of which is like if Freddie's coming back to to kill the the offspring of, of the, the parents that burned him that would have been that would have made the story twice as good Mm. But that's never really touched on. It's like, so it's these things which are sort of these these strings which are left sort of loose ends, if you like, almost. But it doesn't feel like loose ends which have been made on purpose to keep us guessing. It feels like just just a bit of unfinishedness. It feels a bit untidy, mm. up around the edges. I, don't, I, 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 I think, think the that's, opposite. That's something they explore in the remake, though. He purposely comes back for those kids. Yeah, which, which, which is fine, but just on this film alone, it's, it feels a bit untidy. So going going back to what you, we were talking about, the sequel... In fact, no, we'll come on to the sequels a little bit later, definitely. Okay, so um, the next little section is called It's All a Dream. And I want to know that if you could delete one nightmare film from the franchise, which film would it be and why? So first of all, we'll go to our uh, viewers on our viewers, our listeners. Ah! I just clicked what? that link, Johnny. That was terrifying. I'm sorry. I just did input. I've, I've copy and pasted the link there. I found the Cone Woman story. Um, I'm never sleeping for, again. For, now. for your perusal, because um, it'll. In fact, can we put this on a link for the listeners? We can put after it we post this episode. Yeah, because it, it generally made me poo my trousers as a child. Okay. So first of all, we'll go to our Instagram audience and Mickey Lad1138, who comments on everything, I love them, said they would delete six, which is Freddy's dead, um, because Roseanne Barr is in it, which is fair yeah. enough. I mean, there are a few other reasons I would delete that film from existence, but um Plastic Man 1978 or KFC Barry as I know him. Um, would delete the remake, which I think is very unfair. Um, what uh, about yeah, you? I would too. That I, you would delete the remake. Did you I, even finish the remake? No, I don't well, care about any of the others. Can I delete more? Can I just keep the first one and the rest can be? No, just one. Shipped off to Boston. Just one. There's so many I'd get rid of though. Just one. Um, how many sequels did they make? 508 they made six six in the original run and then there was where's craven's new nightmare which is a phenomenal film then freddy versus jason and then the remake illustrious company there aren't we yeah Uh, because i remember watching at some stage all the um 
Friday the 13 sequels and they just the sort of the last three or four blended into one and I didn't know what was happening and they were all garbage yeah they all sort of do that let's move on to our next feature and it's called I Brought It Out Of My Dream if we can remember when Nancy God love her is in the sleep clinic uh, her mum and a doctor make her fall asleep she starts to have a nightmare everyone freaks out and she pulls Freddy Krueger's hat out from under the bed sheets saying that she grabbed it off the top of his head in her dream so she managed to bring it out if there was one thing from any of your dreams Johnny John, are you sure you want to answer this? <laughs> be careful how you answer this what would it be and why I have to admit this is the best question I've ever been asked and I actually put a lot of effort into this um <laughs> There's so many things. There are Jesus Christ. Britney Spears is one of them. She's quite Jesus. high on the list. Even um, now. Yeah. And not just a hat either. I'd have the whole thing still. But like it is an absolutely fantastic question. If you, I still don't think I've got an answer. I think I'll just go with Britney for that one. Just Britney? I mean, that's yeah. fair enough. Yeah, just Britney. But because I've dreamt it, I could pick the era. Actually, now you've said that. I can okay. pick the era. Um, so um, not that I've put much thought into this, but late December 2003, Brittany. Right. Okay. <laughs> the best question ever, Sean, honestly. It really is. <laughs> Johnny, what about you? I was thinking about this. And I, I so obviously I thought you were talking about specific objects and not entire be... pop stars. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Dis- disclaimer, Britney Spears is not an object. She's just what I pull out of. That's not what she her dad is to says. Her dad. Oh, yeah. we went there. Um, yeah, I, um, I was thinking like dad joins the list of people who's going to sue us. See, the only things I can remember from from dreams are horrible things, things that, that stick with me, like that old woman with a comb, or uh, the alien from Signs. Or, or yeah, I was going to say Signs then. <laughs> So yeah, um, I don't really know. There's, there's, my dreams are pretty boring. Yeah, I doubt that. Good. You just can't. <laughs> like, you just can't like broadcast them. Otherwise, oh, I have. Would it be rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> or six for three of them. No, I'd, I'd take Robert from real life and put him in some sort of dream palace where I can visit him every night. You know I'm going to tag Robert into when we can... post this episode, don't you? And I'll just... Um, I think Robert may know, to be honest. I'd just, I I'd, what, I'd, what I'd do is I'd write, I'd just write some prose, go to sleep with it in my hand, take it to him in the dream. Look have at him, how intense his face is. Have, have him put red pen all over it. And then give it me back and then wake up from the dream holding the assessed prose and then I could read through his remarks. That's fantastic. His That's my answer. That is fantastic. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Man's crap. I think I would just bring out like a large sum of money. Oh yeah, I want that. And then, <laughs> then I'd be like, I'd be sound. That would be fixed. Maybe. What's it like living in a world of no imagination, Sean? Maybe. I'd, oh, I don't know. I don't know where to say this because it's quite stupid, but I'd probably bring me <laughs> a Britney out. Spears and a tutor isn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> an English tutor in a cage. 
without sounding like Chris Maloney, I would, I think I'd want to spend a little bit more time with me nan. I felt like uh, I never got, I never got more time. Uh, but that would just, be creepy. That's just that's, a, that's a nice answer. It is a nice answer. Um, okay, moving on. Famous so, for doing nice on this, aren't we? I think <laughs> there were some really, really good lines of dialogue in here, like little one-liners, you know, some from from Freddie and stuff, um, where he's like, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. It makes it click that Johnny Gay Glenn is in trouble in his bed of pissy blood by the looks of it. Um, one of my favourite lines is when Marge and Nancy, well, I think Marge has just slapped Nancy across the face for calling her a piss head. And um, Marge says, it's just a nightmare. And Nancy goes, that's enough. I thought that was fantastic because it just summed the film up uh, very well. Um, Any standout pieces of lines, uh, pieces of lines, (laughs) (laughs) lines of dialogue for you guys? Or did you not think that much into it? Um, No, I... I the, the I'm your boyfriend now Nancy one stays with me I like that one mm. mainly because it's just vile so it's like yeah it is quite vile it's, it's, uh, and the tongue on the phone uh, vile yeah no, no, it's 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 just it's they've they've thought it through and they know where the where they want to put it and they've put it and it's worked to to say like when when it finishes um that's the one I remember the most. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Horror films should not make people this happy. They really, there's something so wrong with me. But um, yeah, they am your boyfriend now, Nancy. One. What about you, Johnny? Anything that you picked up on that you really liked? In this one, or is it my imagination? Did I not remember it right? Does he say bitch in this one? And then does he subsequently say bitch quite a lot of times um, in I've, other films I can't remember him saying bitch in this one But he does say bitch a lot in the sequels Oh, I just remember Freddy Krueger That's sort of like his, his go-to insult And maybe sort of knowing that Going back Because there's not Obviously, I assume he does in the sequels But Freddy doesn't really seem to, to talk an awful lot No, in he this one, Which I'm thankful for, to be honest Which is probably for the best, yeah Yeah, absolutely so I'm going to end this section with one of my favourite lines from the entire film. <laughs> and it's from Marge, who, by the way, should be an absolute legend and a hero. She's fantastic and so camp. I love her to death. Um, she says to Nancy, when she gets the claws out of the boiler, <laughs> he can't get you now. He's dead, honey, because mommy killed him. I think is fantastic. Can I so just fantastic. say, I there, there was, I don't know, I, I maybe it was just, I just totally didn't buy the the mum as someone capable of doing that. It all felt a bit amdram. I don't know, I don't know why. It was just, I just the whole film's like, amdram. She's brilliant. She's, she's fantastic. She's, she's like, she's like a, a. I just didn't buy it. It was just, just so sort of by by the by. You have to understand um, it was the 80s. Not, yeah. And you're also not supposed to really suspect. I know it's not Hamlet. Yeah. You know, but, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. I was your ace. I loved her. I do. She's fantastic, Marge. She's fantastic. I like her dad as well. Her dad looks oh like Oh my God, the dad is gorgeous. Pe- Why have you got to make everything? I think he's terrifying. I love him. 
I think he. I think he looks like a serial killer in his own right. No, like a Cohen Brothers serial killer. Who is he? John Saxon. Yeah, John Saxon. What's he done with his life apart from this? I imagine nothing. He did. He was a really famous actor by the time he did this. He was like a heartthrob. I was sort of um, when was it Rod? <gasps> who's a he died dickhead. a year ago today? No, a year ago, July. Tw- oh, fucking hell! Weird. So there are two really confusing parts of this film that I wanted to talk about, and we touched on one of them before. And the, the first one is Marge, Nancy's mum, where she's in the bed and she becomes this skeleton, and then she sort of dissolves into the mattress. Yeah, it's quite strange, isn't it? I didn't... I was trying to make sense of it in my head when I was thinking about it last night. And, you know, we know from the sequels that she's she's actually dead. She's she's not in any of the sequels. And I could only, I could only think that the way that she, the way that she supposedly died or disappeared, is that because she, she died, but it wasn't Freddie that killed her. Do you know what I mean? Did she like die in a sleep kind of thing, but not with Freddie's claws? What do I we don't do? know. I thought she was just like burned because that's sort of what happened to to Freddie. Yeah, but we don't we don't see it, do we? We like he's under the bed sheets with her, and then she just dissolves. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was sort of very out of place. So it didn't um, make sense to you either. It didn't no, make it sense. Like they had yeah. some props left, okay. and then just <laughs> threw something together at the last minute. I'm sure. I'm sure it has a reason. It's just not very clear. Mm. But. This is what Wes Craven did. He just—it's like a curveball, and I—I I don't really doubt him because <laughs> he's that good. Yeah, well, I'm not I'm still not convinced by that scene. I don't really get it. I don't understand it. I don't want to get it. I, I wish it wasn't there. Um, however, the ending is the next one. So the end was added in because Bob Shay. Um, from New Line Cinema wanted there to be a sequel potential so there wasn't actually this bolt-on ending of Nancy stepping outside and her mum's still alive and then the car pulls up um, so there was one of the endings that were filmed was that Nancy gets in the car and it's Freddie driving the car <laughs> but they settle for all of her friends being alive and then as she drives off the hood comes up and the hood is Freddie's yeah, I, I cheered. Um, I cheered at that. Again, needed. Was it needed to have a sequel? Because by the time the sequel comes along, Nancy's not in it anyway. She's not in it until three. Um, and then it it doesn't make a difference whether that ending happened or not. I thought it was then just a really silly thing gets, to add on. Drag through the, the window. Gets, yeah, but it's like an airlock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is arguably one of the worst effects in the history of film. I remember them talking about it on. I think it might have even been fantasy football back in the day, and they were just they were watching it over and over again, and they were just like, "How is this even in a film?" It yeah, it's it is awful. awful. It's not good. But I, I'm pretty convinced that it wasn't Wes that filmed that last part. I'm sure. I'm sure was it, it was a six year old child because that would make more sense. I mean, it could have been. Um, I'm convinced that it wasn't him and I think I remember watching an interview where he's like oh I think they did an alright job of the end which made me feel maybe you weren't involved then 
Um, <laughs> okay, no, not like that because he said they did a good job of the end. You said it. You, 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 you thought it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, okay, that's what it is. No, I don't. I love Wes. Okay, so we've all seen the remake. Have we not? I hope. A while ago, yes. John, mm, you've not I don't seen like the it. remake. Watch twenty minutes of it and send that off. What did you think of those twenty minutes? I thought it took itself far too seriously. I like, I like the original because it's, it's very tongue in cheek and it doesn't take itself seriously as most of the slashes of the eighties. My favorite slashes of the eighties don't. This one just took itself too seriously. I think it's it just, should take itself seriously. Why? Because it's a film about a child molester killing people. Well, yeah, but. If you're going to do that, go and make a film about a child molester killing people. Don't make it about a very, very camp anti-hero. He's not camp in the first one. Well, I... Is he? No. I think we're going to differ on this for the rest of our lives. We will. Um, I thought... you're fucking wrong. I thought tonally the film was exactly what I wanted. Dark and grim as fuck. I don't think they got the right cast. I think all of the cast of the characters and having that young woman called Nancy was an absolute insult to the original Nancy, Heather Lankenkamp. Um, so in my mind, she's not the original Nancy. She's just some girl called Nancy. And in an interview, she said that she only did that film for the money. She wasn't really interested, which was absolutely reminded me of Jamie Lee Curtis's attitude. Oh God! Oh, no. Can we have one of these? Can we have one of these where you don't mention her? I can't. I hate her. Um, which made me really dislike this actor, and by association, dislike her sister. So whenever they're both in a film, I do not watch it. Oh, is it Kate Mara's sister? Yeah, Rooney mm, Mara. Rooney Mara, and she mumbles all the way through the film. She's like, I think it was this produced by Michael Bay. I think so. Wow. There we go. Freddie was, I didn't Freddy know was that. boss in this film. I love him. I didn't really like the backstory, though. I thought it was... I think... You know what? I think it's on Netflix. I think... Or it's on something. Because when I went to try and find Nightmare on Elm Street, I could only find the remake um, ah. on one of the streaming platforms. And I believe it was Netflix because I watched this one on YouTube for two ninety nine. Uh, for me, tonally, the, the remake was a good film. I liked that he wasn't camp, but he he was like wisecracking a little bit. I like that thing he did with his blades. So I want to touch really quickly on the sequels then. Um, I know, John, you've not seen them, so you'll just have to be quiet. Maybe it's Johnny. Johnny, have you seen any of the sequel? I hate the pair of yous. I'll, I'll cover this bit off myself then. So the sequels to me... Um, progressively worse with each film and (laughs) culminating in Freddy's Dead directed by Rachel Talalay who I've mentioned at least once on one of our earlier podcasts who I absolutely despise because of Freddy's Dead even the 3D part so Freddy's Dead fleshes out his backstory he's got a daughter um, who was put into into adoption after he was arrested and subsequently killed. Um, Not a good film. Not a good film at all. 
it's sort of hinted that the main character is the son of a final girl from one of the other films, but it's not actually said. Um, it's very confusing about where we are in the timeline. It moves um, Springwood from California for some reason. Don't I, I don't understand why she does that. She's a t- you have a very, like depressed look on your face it's because i'm talking about freddie's dead and it actually really upsets me that that exists i mean i would take she dead in the end well allegedly dead by his daughter's fair hand and i think his own glove yeah you're not selling these sequels mate well this is just one of them i would take any of the other sequels over freddie's dead and they're not good films so that's as well i was gonna say i would take friday the 13th Part two over Jason goes to New York. Manhattan. Jason takes Manhattan, yeah. Jason goes to New York sounds like a <laughs> Muppets film. I mean, it basically there is. Was, there doesn't, yeah, doesn't one of them go to space? Yeah, Jason, do you know what? Film. Jason X is actually a fun film. It is crap, but it is quite fun. So I just want to really quickly touch on Wes Craven's New Nightmare. And I know I bang on about this so much, but. Almost as much as your hatred of um, Jamie Lee Curtis. It is the predecessor to Scream, where it's really self-aware of the film that came before it, obviously, A Nightmare on Elm Street. It stars the main man himself, Wes Craven, who has quite a few choice things to say about how the the sequels were handled. Um, An amazing film, and I can't believe neither of you have seen it. It's, It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. One of my favourite films of all time. Why do you say such I'll weird things? Because you've not seen it and you don't know. So <laughs> what I want to do next is go back to guess. Jamie Lee Curtis. No, it's our final girl at leaderboard. Oh so, yeah. I was thinking about this before. If Jamie Lee Curtis is still top of it, I mean at the end, good. will you kill yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But no, because it's it's Laurie <laughs> Strode that is at the top, not Jamie Lee. So mm. our final girl is obviously Nancy, Nancy Thompson, Heather Langenkamp. What do we think of 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 uh, Nancy? Love her. Explain. I, I I I just think she's the 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 after. I mean, you've tainted. Laurie because of Jamie Lee Curtis I didn't even I didn't really not like her until I had every one of these that you go on you sometimes somehow find a way of dissing her now I hate her as much as you do <laughs> so I I would actually move to put uh, Nancy because I I keep forgetting her name and I kept calling her Heather through the film and then I was thinking why are they calling her uh, Nancy and then I got it um, I think she's I, I think she's brilliant i really do i love i love her innocence i love the way that she grows all the way through it and i love the way that she like ends up want, wanting to fight him and wanting to end this and i just think she's definition perfect mm. and and at the end when she's driving away she's still not done fighting and that's 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 a you take a, a timid young girl from the beginning and you turn her into a fighter and she, I, I think she's fantastic. So for you, she is top of the leaderboard. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah, mainly because you haven't dissed her for sixteen episodes of a podcast. 
Johnny, what about you? What do we think of Nancy? Her face annoys me you a bit. Idiot. Um, and also, I don't know, it just feels like as a final girl, it's like she sort of, it's not, it doesn't really feel concrete enough for me. I didn't really believe in the character. Are you kidding me? Much. I think this is because we've come off the back of, like, Nightmare on Elm Street feels like it sort of hovers in between two other staples that we've done, Halloween and Candyman. And on Halloween on one side, you've got um, a very simplistic film with a simple backstory, simple actions. It is what it is, and it does it very well. With Candyman, there's a lot of law and story and detective work and everything. And at either one of those ends, you've got a strong female character and a, and a final girl, for the sake of argument, let's not get into that again, <laughs> um, who has to overcome certain amounts of obstacles. And this feels like, Nancy feels like she's sort of a bit ditzy floating about in the middle. And it feels like, I don't know, if, if it, it feels like with, with those other two films, the, the, the final girl feels real. It feels like they have overcome these obstacles. In this one, it feels like she's got a bit of plot armor right. as being the main girl. It's like she's due to, she, she has to survive. So she just does it by I'm going to tell you in every single way why you're wrong. Okay, why I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> I had to feel any wood. Nancy, compared to Laurie Strode, who just exists in that film, fights back with a knitting needle, has got nothing. She, I mean, Laurie's got nothing on Nancy at all. Nancy from the very get-go is a fighter. Think about when we when Rod shows up at Tina's and pulls his little switchblade like a little, little OG and Nancy just grabs it and puts the blade away and is like, nah, that's not happening. Um, yes, she doesn't have sex with Glenn like most final girls do, but it's also it's also hinted that she has already done that. In my eyes, she's not a virgin. She's not like Laurie, who's this virginal woman. She's not shit. Um, she, she is that convinced that she is right and that something is going on and that she is not insane and this is not just a problem with her sleep, that she, she makes her mum tell her the truth she, because her mum is so terrified by her passion around this issue that her mum is like, okay, I burnt this fella alive <laughs> because he was killing kids. And then John, John is absolutely right. She takes that fight into her own hands and she starts to research, what is that book called? Um, booby traps and anti-personnel devices. <clears throat> and she, she rigs out her house it was just it was just a bit home alone. That it was a bit, end. but it was good because she was fighting. She wasn't just running away with a I, knitting needle. I, I, I think it's just because it's like the that are you saying it's that's it's sort of so fantastical. Like it does have those sort of almost comedy elements. Like obviously this was way before Home Alone, but um, you know it's it's a bit it's not a camp film, but there are those bits where it's like it's not as serious as the other two. I don't think in its in its violence, which is why when obviously those brutal scenes as towards the beginning of the film took me by surprise. I didn't remember it being so sort of visceral and violent and brutal and and, and mm. true. And I think because the film is so sort of fantastical in nature, so is Candyman, but it feels a lot more grounded and real and dark. 
So I think that's maybe why I don't see Nancy as it's as though she's a sort of character in a bit of like a a, a fantasy film, a sci-fi film, rather than someone who's under any real can I can I just say threat. I under think threat. I think Sean might punch you the next time we but, see but, each other. But only, but I feel like Nancy is under threat in the way that Harry Potter's under threat. And when I watch it on screen, I go, "It's a fantasy film." Whereas the other films, Halloween and Candyman, even though Candyman obviously it's fantastical, um, it just feels a lot more. The danger feels a lot more real, and therefore the final girl's actions feel a lot more relevant and better and true and braver. And that is my explanation. I mean, a Sean had a stroke. I don't know what to say to you. So, where would you place her, Johnny? <laughs> um, I mean, below Laurie. You joking? Wrong. Above, above Officer Doofus. I love you, Doofus, mate. But you're wrong. Above Officer Doofus from Scream. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm disgusted. Upset I'm now, Johnny. Disgusted. So how are we working this then? How are we going to work this vote? Because the two of us, I mean, I think she's top of the leaderboard for all of the reasons I've already discussed with you. Correct. How are we doing this? Two out votes, one or what? Yeah, yeah. All if right. that fucking doofus person can be in, and I, and I, because you used to one of them there, then... This can happen. I didn't want Officer Doofus there. He had to be Why there. Why is he there then? We have to be there. So let's, just, let's not open that can of worms again. Okay, so here's our leaderboard as it stands. We have an horrible mention, horrible, horrible mention for Helen Lyle from Candyman. Who is, who is basically top. She's, I mean, she's not because she's dead. And then we've got um, all of these guys from Scream. Dewey Riley in fifth place, Gail Weathers in fourth, Sydney Prescott in third, Laurie Strode from Halloween in second. <laughs> and first place is Nancy Thompson from A Nightmare on Elm Street, exactly where she belongs, taking names. Um, absolutely. I don't understand how you could not think that. She's pure sass all the way through, and she's brilliant. She's amazing. She's really good in the third one when she comes back. However, her and the director didn't get on, and so they killed her character off. Which is heartbreaking, Good. isn't it? It is. And I also love the fact that she wakes up from in the dream clinic and has grey hair. I think that's fantastic. Is it called a Malin streak? It is, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I think you're a bit of a nerd for this film, Sean. I oh my god, yes. I love a nightmare on Elm Street. So let's move on to our final vote. Johnny. <laughs> yes, I think I think overall. It's very worthy of a nightmare cinema title. Um, I think I put in the notes as well. It's probably one of the most well-balanced horror films out there. It is in the slasher genre, but it also um, it's also a good all-round horror as well. Oh, cool! Um, and encapsulates sort of the best, some of the best parts from the likes of, of Halloween and, and Friday the Thirteenth and things. Um, sort of like Candyman as well. Mm. Um, so it's a really good, really good all-round uh, all horror film, uh, as well as a, a very good slasher. Just a shame about the um, the lead character. but uh. <laughs> Freddie, I know. Thank you very <laughs> much, John, for your feedback. And John? 
Um, yeah, it's, there's not really much else to say. It's iconic. Um, fuck the sequels. <laughs> um, I, 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 one of the more enjoyable um, films I've watched during this because I just, I just had no idea how good it was. And one of the the pleasures of doing this podcast thing is that I get to watch all these films again. Granted, I can't do it anytime I want because I'm a sentient being living in a free world, but I don't think I would have because <laughs> of the bitter taste that they leave on me when, when, I, when I'm a kid. But I loved it. I just loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved its tongue-in-cheekness. I loved Robert Englund. I absolutely fell in love with Heather. Even... Johnny Depp being the gormless Johnny Depp before he was the Johnny Depp rock star we know today. I, I like that. I thought it was I wear some Savage. So for me, absolute nightmare cinema. Um, for all of the reasons that we've already mentioned, but also for all of the technical aspects behind the scenes, they they rigged out this room that like turned around and bolted cameramen to the walls so they could film those scenes with Tina and then later on with um, Glenn's blood spurting bed um an amazing film and an amazing achievement on the very it small budget that they had 1.8 million for that is just you can see how why west craven became so mm. revered now because he's to do to do that film on 1.8 million it was also like the, the story behind the film of how this was made particularly new line cinema it, like we said this at the very start, it, it it created New Line Cinema and made it this amazing place, well, for film, for film to be made and produced. Oh, um, not so much anymore. Somebody said to me the other day, someone said to me the other day, um, what's the most what's the most important film uh, that, I don't know if he said inspired or inspired Lord of the Rings, and I was like, well, I don't know. And he said, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, and I had no idea what he was talking about until I did a bit of research, because without uh, Nightmare on Elm Street saving and making New Line Cinema, they wouldn't have funded Lord of the Rings. I dare say someone else would have, but it's you can't really go on that. Also, like, New Line Cinema did this, so it's... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. Okay. Well, so, they did. Okay. So, um, who who is it next week? Is it you, John? It's me. Uh, and what is it that we're discussing next time? Yes, I'm going to throw a curveball because I'm sick of us all agreeing on it, on everything. We've we've done we've celebrated some absolutely first rate films. We've just done Candyman. We've done Candyman and Nightmare on Elm Street. But I'm going to do a curveball and a very acquired taste. Um, Film. I'm. I'm not going to give you any clues. I'm just going to tell you what it is because I don't think any of you have heard of it. It's called Switchblade Romance, and it is a French Canadian film which is originally called High Tension, which is self-explanatory. And um, I, I remember watching it when it first came out and just thinking, this is fucking brutal. Thank you so much for listening to episode 16. Um, tune in next time and we'll be talking all things Switchblade Romance with John Dunn. Um, and then after that, we've got our last episode in the Slasher season. Um, do you want to talk about that yet, Johnny? Or do you want uh, to I think most people can surprise. probably guess what it is. I mean, it is one of the, the big hitters. So we use Switchblade 
romance is some sort of French fancy sorbet before. Um, right. If you're just going to diss my film. Uh, how is that dissing the film? Can... I just called it a f- fancy just French because, sorbet. Just because a I'm p- not a cliche like you too. Uh, yeah, but it's a support act, isn't it? It's a support act on the final day and the, and the, the headliner is the last big hitter in the series. We've done Freddy. Um, uh, we've done Michael Myers. <clears throat> and so there's only really one one left, I think. Oh, exciting. I'm looking forward. However, mm. I do have a bit of a surprise oh. to announce by the end of Johnny's next episode. So I'll just leave that Ooh. there for now. Okay. No, I'm excited. That was a bit that was a bit cock teasing, oh, wasn't it? Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We really, really, really do appreciate it. You guys yes. say bye. Um, and don't forget to rate and review us and follow us and interact and everything. And also read the comb lady story and let us know how yes. much sleep you have yeah. not been able we'll, to have since. I can pretty much guarantee I am never opening opening that link ever again. We will post the Comb Lady story on our Instagram and you can follow us there at nightmare underscore cinema underscore. Then you'll be welcome to my nightmare from eight years old. Um, yes, so goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Thank you. Au revoir and adieu.